Chapter Seventeen of David Ransom's Watch by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. Mister Harlan. That Miss Hannah's guests were fond of tea cakes and cocoa, they proved during the half hour that followed Miranda's entrance. The boys spoke their minds freely. Isn't this luck, though? Who would have thought that such things could happen to us? Those North End boys will be green with envy. Who cares for Professor Bannard's carriage house now? And they never had refreshments in their lives. Harlan, you sly old chap, why didn't you tell us what was coming and let us get a speech ready? At last came one more honest than polite. I tell you what, Miss Stearns is a daisy, that's what she is. I'm never going to believe again a single thing that I hear about folks. Until the words were spoken, he had not realized their import. Then he did, and his face grew red. But Harlan laughed pleasantly, and met his regrets halfway. That's a pretty good resolution, Jimmy. I guess we could all make it with credit to ourselves. I know there have been things said about my Aunt Hannah, plenty of them, that haven't a shadow of truth in them, and I dare say it is so about other people. Have another cake, Charlie, to go with your cocoa, and then some cocoa to go with your cake. Harlan's face was radiant, and he was the prince of hosts. His Aunt Hannah had vindicated herself before all the boys in the jolliest of ways. He knew there would be plenty of tea cakes. Neither she nor Miranda ever did halfway things. That the evening was not only a surprise, but a complete success, the guests did what they could to prove. When they had reached a respectful distance from the front door, they halted in the darkness and rain, and gave three ringing cheers for Miss Stearns, three for Harlan Kingsbury, and three for the good luck that had fallen to them as a club. Harlan eagerly explained all the yells that morning. "'I heard them splitting their throats,' said Miss Hannah dryly. Harlan should never know how she had sat up in bed to listen, and then hunted for her handkerchief and wiped her eyes. How should a boy be expected to understand any connection between yells and tears? I am glad they did not yell in the house, she said. I don't see, but they behaved themselves as well as could have been expected, and they are not a bad-looking set as boys go. Who is that Bert Crozer, and what is he doing here? Hasn't he any folks of his own? Not many, Aunt Hannah. The first thing that interested me in him was happening to hear that he had no father nor mother. But he hasn't an Aunt Hannah either. He says the only relative he has living is an uncle who isn't his uncle at all. And I suppose you think that is like you, too. Was there the slightest perceptible tremor to Miss Stearns's voice? Did that have to do with Harlan's quick response? No, Aunt Hannah, because you see, I've adopted you out and out and forever. An aunt is a great deal better than an uncle, anyhow. Was the Crozer boy adopted? Well, no, not exactly. He is a kind of relation, or... No, he isn't either, but he was always called so. It is his mother's sister-in-law's brother. Can you make out that relationship? The sentence closed with Harlan's genial laugh, but he continued his explanation. 
Bert says his mother and her sister-in-law were very dear friends, just like sisters, and when she died, the sister-in-law, it seemed to them all as though they had lost their best friend. This uncle, Prescott his name is, Uncle Prescott, was staying at their house at the time, and he was just like an own brother to Bert's mother. Then, a little while afterwards, when Bert was about ten years old, his father and mother were both killed in a terrible railroad accident, and this Uncle Prescott came on at once and took charge of him and of everything, and acted, Bert said, as though he were two uncles instead of none, and he has taken care of Bert ever since. There weren't any real uncles or aunts or anything, but he has supplied their places just as some other persons we could mention have done. Miss Hannah was unaccountably interested in Bert Crozier. "'What is his uncle's business?' was her next question. "'Oh, he is a minister, a great big minister,' Bert says. And Harlan laughed. "'He means he has a big church. He lives in Boston. Bert has been there at school, but last winter he wasn't well at all, and the doctor said he must get away from there. And his uncle, it seems, knew this part of the country when he was a young man, and liked it, and wanted Bert to come here. So he wrote to the Chapmans, that is where Bert boards, and they used to know his uncle, so they took him. They are very nice to him. Bert thinks it is on his uncle's account, but I guess they like him for himself. Everybody does. Miss Stearns went back through the years. The Chapmans were the young ministers, Ray Prescott's, intimate friends when he came to the village to supply the pulpit. In fact, it was through the Chapmans that he came to the little church, though he brought a letter of introduction to her father. Miss Stearns used to have a calling acquaintance with the Chapmans, who were the aristocrats of the little town in which they lived, but she had long ago dropped all her old acquaintances and never made calls. It struck her as a strange coincidence that the boy whom her boy had chosen for his best friend, and whom she had disliked a little merely because he was a rival, should be Ray Prescott's boy. Their two lives were to have some links, it seems. Was it Ray Prescott? He moved to Boston years ago. He had heard so much about him at the time. What is his uncle's first name? She had been silent for so long that Harlan had gone back to his own concerns, as he often had to do when Miss Hannah chose to relapse into a reverie. "'Who's uncle? Bert's? Why, it's Ray, I believe. Yes, it is, just Ray. I remember I asked Bert once if it was an abbreviation. Why, Aunt Hannah, did you know him when he used to be here?' "'I have seen him,' said Aunt Hannah, then she gave the signal which meant that the breakfast hour was over. Miranda felt that she had spoken truth when she told the teacups that there was no telling where all this would end. Certain changes in Miss Hannah's methods became from that time very apparent. The truth was, that word muff, so new to her in its use in modern slang, had taken a peculiar hold of her imagination. In connection with certain other words, also slang, it had revealed clearly to her the position in her household that the people had given to Harlan Kingsbury. They must be instructed. It had reminded her that the years were passing, 
and that the little boy in blue aprons was gone forever in his place was a boy who seemed to be hourly growing tall and broad-shouldered he was growing old too of course in a little while he would be a man he ought to be getting ready for his manhood and so ought she that last thought came to her like a revelation she was thinking about and talking to and planning for the little boy and the little boy was already gone miss hannah's heart experienced the pang which every true mother will understand over the thought that her boy was growing up even though like those true mothers she would not have had it otherwise for the world had miranda noticed even before she did that the big boy had come miranda with the rest must be instructed harlan kingsbury's position in her household must be distinctly defined to themselves first and then to others with characteristic promptness she set about establishing new conditions she made no revelations to miranda such was not her way she did not even admit in words that there were to be any changes she simply took them for granted in place of the familiar i'll tell harlan to go as soon as he comes home she began to say i'll ask harlan if he can spare the time to do that errand or probably harlan will be willing to see to that i'll ask him i'll talk it over with harlan became a sentence often on her lips at first it came with an effort and then it was as though it had been suddenly revealed to miss hannah that she had a friend with whom she could confer and who would have a right to be interested in all the details she chose to give him after that she reveled in the phrase the shrewd miranda detected the change of tone the first time such phrases were used and began at once to govern herself accordingly it was not that harlan's tastes and wishes were being deferred to which marked the change both women had been for years doing and making just the things that the boy liked best but they had refrained from owning to each other that he was the motive power now it was increasingly evident with each passing day that miss hannah meant her world to understand that harlan kingsbury was a recognized force in her life miranda was not to be outdone by her mistress she studied the situation carefully and came out boldly one morning with her masterpiece miss hannah mr harlan wants to know if he shall put the red apples in the large bin or the small one mr harlan indeed there was a quiet smile on miss hannah's face as she washed her hands well why not since harlan wasn't a little boy any more why was it not proper for a person in her employ to so address him had not her mother trained the good woman who was now mrs austin to say miss hannah she said nothing about the change to miranda either then or afterward and that faithful woman if she had not been well acquainted with her employer might have been left in doubt as to whether the improved speech had been even noticed had not she overheard one day a sharp rebuke administered to little susie jenkins who was helping her father pick windfall apples you should say mr harlan susie little girls who are well brought up do not call young men like mr harlan simply by their first names susie looked her unbounded amazement 
and Miranda retreated in haste in order not to be seen laughing. Club life went forward merrily after that evening of its introduction into the Stearns parlor. Harlan Kingsbury had been welcomed to its membership with every possible demonstration of delight, and had become, almost at once, the acknowledged leader. Miss Hannah's invitation, or rather Harlan's invitation, as she persisted in calling it, to make the Stearns house headquarters for the present, was gratefully accepted, and every boy of them, in return for such unparalleled kindness, secretly resolved to redeem the reputation of boys for rudeness and carelessness. Nor did Miss Hannah and Miranda retreat from their share in the entertainment. Now it was a kettle of taffy, boiled at the kitchen fire and watched by the skillful Miranda, until it reached just the right moment for cooling. Again it was nuts and apples, and then corn, popped by the boys themselves on the splendid bed of coals in the fireplace. Then it was doughnuts, or cookies, or seed cakes, or the ever-popular tea cakes. Scarcely a meeting of the club that winter, but some dainty was offered in Harlan's name in the way of refreshment. Very rarely did Miss Hannah herself appear, and then under protest. An unaccountable and unconquerable shyness of boys in general, which she had always felt and never confessed, remained upon her in full force. When she had been compelled to deal with them, she had hid the shyness under a stern visage and a brusque, not to say harsh, tone, which had invariably deceived them and given her the name of being hard. Perhaps it was in part the influence upon her of this name which had made Miss Stearns grow really hard in some directions as the years passed but it would not have been wise to have hinted at that or any other charge against her in the presence of members of the club that shared her hospitality. Miss Hannah was splendid, was jolly, was true blue, was everything that in the parlance of boys meant genuine respect and admiration. Nor was it simply her comfortable room and her cakes and taffy that influenced them. As the months passed, and she came, by various ways, sometimes by what we call accident, into closer touch with one and another of them, there was that between them which made them look upon Miss Hannah as a friend on whom they could rely for help, and one whose advice a fellow would do well to follow. Still, as might have been expected, Harlan Kingsbury was really the one most affected by the subtle changes which went on about him, on and after that first meeting of the club with himself as host a less manly boy or one who had been less thoroughly trained would doubtless have been injured by a sudden accession of dignity and importance to be deferred to and appealed to to realize all at once that he seemed to be no longer one under authority but had been placed in authority himself this was to try what metal the boy was made of there was a sense in which Miranda, for a time, looked on with more anxiety than anybody else. She knew more about boys than Miss Stearns did, and she had seen some of them spoiled. But Harlan Kingsbury did not spoil. The sudden change in his life bewildered him for a little, but as he became accustomed to his atmosphere, there developed within him a tender chivalry for the woman whom he had all the time loved and respected.
he knew as well as her older friends did that it was hard for her to defer to trust to ask instead of command to in short change the habits of a lifetime and she had done and was doing all this for him he began to feel rather than understand her reason for the change it was so that he might take his place among the boys like other boys with the same privileges and rights that they had dear aunt hannah she should never be disappointed in him he would be always and everywhere not only a good true boy and man but he would be such a man as she wanted him to become what if she had some old-fashioned ideas that did not seem to him to be worth cultivating they were nothing that would harm him perhaps they might even be good for him who could be sure aunt hannah was a shrewd far-seeing woman everybody said that of her whether they were worth it or not her notions should be respected what he knew aunt hannah wanted he willed should be and the willing at least was good for him the immediate result of this decision was apparent such of miss hannah's peculiar ideas as the boy harlan was beginning to carry out reluctantly hedging the way with troublesome questions and keen argument the young man that he seemed suddenly to have become anticipated himself proposed followed out cheerfully heartily and with all the time a gracious air of protective tenderness toward her that was new and beautiful miss hannah's heart blossomed under the spell but she made no sign as for miranda she made the dishes her confidants as usual i've seen lots of boys and i thought i knew them through and through but i never saw a boy before that in twenty-four hours time got to be a man End of chapter seventeen